Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to First Bite, our Pride of Detroit preview podcast, uh, where we talk about the upcoming Detroit Lions game. It's Lions. It's an opportunity for the Lions, I should say, to get back-to-back wins for the first time since I think around the middle of the season last year, coming off a big win off uh, against the Minnesota Vikings on a last-second play. But before we get into all that, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the co-host of First Bite. Uh, We're doing a little format did format change this week, which is why I um, am currently off my game. It kind of sounds like, but Hey, Ryan's here as well at Ryan underscore POD senior editor of pride of Detroit. Why are you shaking your head at me? No, you're doing just fine. Oh, thank honey. You. You're doing just fine. <laughs> uh, so no guests this week. And I think that's co- going to be more the norm as we, as we kind of head towards the end of the season, we're going to have a, a guest next week because uh, you know, our, or no, not next week, the week after, I should say week 16, because we got to get a, a familiar face back in here. But, um, you know, with the the one win out of the way, I think we can start kind of maybe focusing on bigger picture things, maybe focusing a little inward since the, the outcome of the game is, is less important to, um, you know, obviously it's important when it comes to draft position, things like that. But we'll, we'll talk about that sort of thing. I, I guess the matchups in general just don't matter as much to me anymore. And I, I get the sense they don't matter to fans as much anymore as, as you know, the, the monkeys off the back, we, we can focus on, on bigger issues with the team at hand. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, <clears throat> on to bigger and better things, right, Jeremy? Sure. <laughs> Except this is going to be an interesting game because uh, it is everyone's Jordan flu game. Every single person's Jordan flu game because, and, and I guess we'll, we'll start with this because it's Tuesday when we're recording this and the Lions just dropped the longest injury report I've ever seen uh, with 21 players not participating in practice. And I, I'll, I'll spend the next minute just breaking down what exactly happened here because it, it I'm, it's very confusing. And the Lions even sent a PR guy to, to the media room just trying to explain what, what it meant before they sent it out. So basically they held 12 guys out due to what they called non-injury related absence, um, which is basically just a coach's decision. These guys are being held out because we would, we don't want them to get sick or spread it if they have it. Um, The problem is six of those guys are either dealing with another injury or they're recovering from an illness. Uh, And what's important to note about this group is it's all offensive and defensive line. That's it. The, the, the seems to have hit that group the most, um, 
and and guys like John Penasini, Nick Williams, Jonah Jackson, Penesul, they've all had it at one point. But the fact that they're they were listed under NIR, NIR non-injury related means they're recovering, meaning it was a coach's decision to hold them out. They probably would have practiced at least in a limited fashion. So those guys are probably going to play as long as they don't get sick again. Really, same with everyone on this. They'll, they'll probably be available. But here's the problem. Four guys are currently dealing with an illness, including three new ones. And, and they're kind of big names. Ali McNeil, Levi Onzerike, new guys who are on the illness list, as in they were held out of practice because they were ill. Halapuli Vati Vaitai is another one. Jamar Jefferson is the other. So that in total, we're, we're already at 16 players. Mm-hmm. On top of that, five players were out because of injury. TJ Hawkinson, where, and I'll, I'll jump in right away. Sounds like he's going to play based on what he said with the media today. DeAndre Swift still dealing with that shoulder injury. Probably not going to play. Jalen Relief Maven still dealing with a shoulder injury himself. Didn't play last week, probably won't play again this week. And then edge rushers Julian O'Quara and Austin Bryant are both dealing with an injury. And obviously that's <laughs> that's a spot that's already been plagued by injuries because Trey Flowers and Julian and Romeo O'Quara are already out. So whew, I don't know if any of that made sense to everybody, but here's the good news. Jared Goff, who was ill on Sunday after the game and Monday, returned to practice on Thursday. He said he was fine on Wednesday. So even some of these guys that are still ill, they I think they have a chance to turn it around and potentially play, but I don't know. And, you know, illnesses affect everyone differently. And on top of that, the Lions are dealing with two guys with COVID. Uh, Evan Brown has COVID. The one offensive slash defensive lineman that was practicing on Thursday was uh, was Ryan McCollum. Because he has, he's he's the third string center who's probably going to play this week, and they just needed someone out there doing something, and and why not him, a guy who hasn't had any experiences. So, throwing that all together, Ryan, how are we are we screwed? Like, is what's going to happen here? No, dude, you're not you're not focusing on the positive. Thirty two players were healthy, did practice. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I mean, this is obviously this is a huge concern, right? And it it seems like it's so emblematic of where this team has been almost all season long, where it's like on the precipice or like with with last week's game, um, right when you, right when you climb the top of the mountain, you're, you're shoved back down with your boulder and it's Sisyphus all over again. And um, this time it's not like we got shoved just halfway down the mountain. It seems like, it seems like two boulders got sent and you got pushed all the way back to the, to the plateau. And here's, here's my, my biggest concern. It it's Evan Brown. Like I, I think my biggest concern is that center position because what Evan Brown has been able to do in terms of, you know, offering replacement level value for Frank rag. Now, I think that he's overperformed that a little bit. Sure. And now, now you're talking about a third string center playing with an offensive, you know, you know, it looks like Jonah Jackson's probably going to play, like you said, maybe because he's, he's on the rebound from, from being ill. But I mean, all these moving parts along, like you said, the defensive and the offensive line, like those are seemingly the quote unquote strengths of this, this team. 
I mean, in the trenches, it seems like they do a pretty decent job up front offensively, you know, blocking for, for the run, keeping Jared Goff protected. Uh, and that's NFC offensive player of the week, Jared Goff. That is. Um, yeah. Um, do you know he scored three fucking touchdowns? I, did. I heard, I heard in an awesome song. You heard it. You heard about that, right? But I did. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's therein lies my concern because, you know, you bring up Ali McNeil, you bring up Levi Onzerike. Those are two guys specifically that you want to see getting more playing time, especially down the stretch here. You you want to see them getting more reps. But again, like I said, it's so emblematic of the season <laughs> where it's like Jeff Okuda gone. As, as soon as Romeo Okwara starts showing like, hey, he's a legit edge gone. I, I mean, it, it's, it's just hit after hit after hit. And then this time, it just seems like it's a cruel, sick joke. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird. And then I think that kind of encapsulate the whole season. It's just everything is weird right now. And listen, like I, I think by the time we get to game time, it this isn't going to be as nearly as bad as it looks like. I think most yeah. of most of the things are precautionary here, but you never know. Like with three guys popping up today, like I said, Jamar, Aleem McNeil and, and Levi, like who knows if the spread is done? It, it's not necessarily done. Um, and that's that's bad obviously, but I would say, I would say the most, the guys that are most in jeopardy of not playing in this game are Deandre Swift, Jalen Rees, Mavlin, Julian O'Quar, Austin Bryant. The, those four guys are dealing with injuries, not illnesses. And then TJ Hawkinson, I think is going to play based on what he said. And then those four guys that just got the illness, Jefferson McNeil, Onzerike and, and Vitae. Like, and so if, if you're missing Vitae, if you're missing Evan Brown, which is almost certainly going to happen unless he somehow progresses through his COVID in, in less than a week. Um, that's, that's the right side and middle of your, your offensive line missing. And, you know, I think everything this offense does is, is surrounded around that offensive line. Jared Goff is a much better quarterback when he's not pressured. Um, Jared Goff is a better quarterback when he has a running game and the running game has kind of been on and off and missing your, your top running back. And, and two interior offensive linemen, not great. And that, and Panay Sewell is not out of, out of really the, the window here with, he was dealing with an illness. He's still dealing with his shoulder injury that, that he fought through on Sunday. So man, it's, you're right. It's just like ever the minute you started feeling good about this team, someone steps in and says, uh, 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 <laughs> nope, you can't, you can't enjoy too much here, but Again, I, I do think some of this is, is going to clear up by, by the time we hit Sunday. I'm, I'm interested in to see how the lines are going to handle like travel. Like if they mm -hmm. want some of these guys to, to play, but they're, they're coming off an illness, do they fly on a different, different plane? This, this is a long trip. It's all the way to Denver. Not to, and, and I mean, the, the underlying thing here too also is they did walkthroughs yesterday and they had half the team present at practice today. This team is not going to be well-practiced by the time they hit Sunday, no matter what they do on Friday. And usually you kind of do like a, a toned down practice on Friday because you don't want to injure yourself going into the weekend. So it's just, it's a bizarre situation. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like it's not missing your edge rushers is, isn't great ever because you want to bring pressure. And, um, but you do have Charles Harris and, and it's, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think Julian O'Quarrie or Austin Bryant have been playing particularly well where it's like, Oh, how are you going to replace those guys? Um, but I mean, Jesse, Jesse Lemonier, uh, Rashad Berry. How many people even know who these people are? Those guys are going to probably be in your rotation on, on Sunday, and they have not played a lot. Yeah. I, I, you know, you, you talk about the edges. 
I'll come back and say it. Like, I think it's, I mean, I think the biggest concern is like in the middle, like you're talking about Ali McNeil, sure. you're talking about John Penasini. I mean, yeah. who, who's playing nose tackle? I mean, we, we, we saw a stat earlier this week that, you know, Levi Onzerike by, you know, some secret formula metric has been like one of the most impressive, like three technique yeah. defensive tackles in the league. So you're talking about like the interior push and that's, that's concerning for sure. Um, but what about, I, I we're, we're digging real deep in our bag, but like, what about uh, Jashan Cornell? Yeah. So he, yeah, right. He returned to practice this week from uh, the non-football illness list. Um, I guess the question is, is it too soon to activate him? Cause he's, he, he I'm, he, I, he, I'm assuming he didn't practice today out of, you know, uh, he, he doesn't have to be on the injury report because he's still technically on the, on the non-football uh, illness list. He just returned to practice. Um, I didn't see him at practice, so I would assume that he's probably not out there practicing yet. And I, I would guess the lines probably aren't going to be ready to activate him if he doesn't get at least a, a practice or two. And so it's a good question. I mean, I think the lines could certainly use the help with, you know, Deshaun hand gone, Kevin strong gone. And yeah, as you mentioned, the two interior guys currently dealing with an illness, like very thin there. Are, are you going to play a guy like, you know, Michael Brockers, 90% of the snaps, same with, with, same with Nick Williams. Like, you might have to, but uh, it's not an ideal, ideal situation at all. Yeah, and especially, I mean, the the the, the thing about it is, um, I, and the reason why it's it's more so concerning from for for everything you're saying about the defense, like it, it's so much more concerning about that offensive line because while like by by like you know efficiency metrics like DVOA and things like that, like the Denver Broncos are like a below average defense. But by some of their raw numbers, I mean, they've given up the third fewest points in the NFL. Yeah. You know, they've, you know, held opponents to a pretty respectable, like 4.4 yards of carry. Um, really good in the, in the red zone too. That That's why the, I think some of the efficiency metrics and, and the, you know, scoring yeah. metrics don't really line up is they're just very good in the red zone. Yeah. Yeah. And what's Which important is, in the red zone line play. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's oh boy, we're in for another we're in for another week of Detroit Lions football. Yeah, journey. it's 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 very <laughs> very strange. Um, but before we we go into our, our second segment, which we're going to talk more about some of the some of the you know major storylines, what what we're looking for, what what players maybe we're encouraged to see who, who we think are going to play. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the Broncos themselves, who ironically enough didn't have a single person miss uh, Thursday's practice. Um, you, you mentioned Sweet. the defense. Um, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the offense because Teddy Bridgewater was kind of an interesting, uh, conversation piece this week. Um, as he, you know, him and Dan Campbell have a history together. They spent two years together in new Orleans. Campbell seemed to praise that guy, you know, head to toe, and, and especially in terms of just his attitude. And, you know, he's mentioning when, when he was the, the, he was really the third string quarterback in new Orleans, uh, behind, you know, Breeze and, and Taysom Hill, he was like just scouting everyone up. Like he was with the scout team, coaching him up. And, and then Bridgewater, you know, had just as much awesome things to say about Dan Campbell um, saying most quote worthy thing being that uh, after every time he stood in front of a, a you know, a meeting and, and talked, everyone wanted to leave that meeting and just punch someone in the face. 
And so there's kind of a, a mutual respect there. And I, I know some people are already tying that back to the Stafford trade and be like, well, maybe Dan Campbell was pounding the table for the Broncos trade and to get Teddy Bridgewater. And I'm not going to take that conversation there because why are we still talking about the Matthew Stafford trade? Like there's anything we can do to change about it. Um, but I, I am kind of curious about your thoughts on, on Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback, you know, putting your, your own biases aside. Um, because, you know, it, it's not like the Broncos offense is explosive. I think they have good wide receivers who can make it potentially explosive, but Bridgewater doesn't really strike me as a guy who really utilizes his receivers in that way. I don't want to call him a check down Charlie, but he isn't a guy who really goes deep that often. Is he? I don't think so. I mean, like he, he, you know, from, from talking with like Arif Hassan for, you know, the years that we did, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater was in the division. Right. You know, this is a guy that the lions were able to see up close and personal a couple times a year um, for, for the amount of time that he, he was in Minnesota. I, I mean, obviously just truly a testament to his wherewithal to, to still be playing in the NFL after the horrific injury that he suffered. Uh, the, the thing about the Denver Broncos quarterback situation that's just so puzzling is it seems like every time that I've tuned into a Broncos game, like Drew Locke has been playing while Teddy Bridgewater is like capable of playing. It, it, it's, it's some weird situations where like it, it's very reminiscent of um, – you know, Tua getting benched in favor of Jacoby Brissett and then Jacoby Brissett getting benched in favor of Tua, even though Jacoby Brissett is like, what is going on? Like, it's just like some kind of like quarterback, like roulette where it's like, I don't know. We'll see which guy, like, let's just, let's just, let's just spin, let's spin the ball and see where we end up. And, and the Broncos are still like, I mean, they're six and six, like yeah. pretty respectable in what I think maybe, it's kind of flying under the radar as a really, really tough division. Like I, I, I understand that there's no like heavyweight in the AFC West because people have written off the chiefs in a way, but top to bottom, it's one of the most competitive divisions I think in the entire NFL. And, you know, they've gotten, I, I think they've gotten incredible play out of Patrick Sertain. Mm-hmm. their their rookie, um, you know, their first round pick who, uh, you know, is playing great. I, I think them being six and six and like another familiar face, right? Vic Fangio um, being the head coach. I, I don't know. I, I feel like this team's identity is really on defense. You know what I mean? And and, yeah. and, we'll, and I'm sure we'll get to that in the second segment, but I guess to, to kind of put a bow on the question that you asked me about Teddy Bridgewater, I, I, I think that, I think that they they want more out of their quarterback, right? Because they have all of these weapons. They have Cortland Sutton. They have Jerry Judy. They have, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon in the backfield and Javonta Williams. Noah yeah, and Noah Fant. Like they, I mean, they got their Iowa tight end. They should be good. They <laughs> they should have the they should have the proverbial infinity gauntlet, right? Um, because they have all of those pieces, and it seems like the one thing that they're missing is the quarterback. So maybe that is to. Maybe that goes to show or goes to explain for some of the reasons why it's like, well, you know, let's try Drew Locke. Maybe Drew Locke is ready to to do it finally. And it's pretty clear that he's not the guy. And, you know, I think they're kind of sticking with Teddy because like he is the veteran at this point, like he's 29 years old. He's the guy who I, I hate to say it too, Jeremy, but like maybe not check down Charlie, but like he's not, 
do you think he's going to lose you the game, especially when you're so predicated on on that defense that you have? No, not and that's the thing. Like he's he's always been very turnover averse. Um, he he has seven interceptions on the season, which is a, kind of a high number for him. But five of those have come in two games, just two like really oddly bad games. A, a three interception game. I don't remember who was against, and then a two interception game last week against the Chiefs. So, and and that was something that I think Dan Campbell said too. Is just he's very careful with the ball. So, you know what. I do feel like some of the Lions' best defensive performances this year have been reliant on turnovers to to really help them out. So I'm not sure they're going to get those opportunities in this game. Um, and then you know, not having some of your your only surviving pass rushers out there this week isn't going to help either. But you know, the secondary seems like it's mostly intact. Um, so we'll see. Um, obviously, Jerry Jacobs has been getting a lot of hype as of late, and and Tracy Walker's playing pretty well. Um, but the last thing I want to mention before we head to our break is, is the running back tandem, because that, that is another interesting piece of this uh, Broncos offense. You, you got Melvin Gordon um, who still playing pretty well, but it's really a two headed monster there with their, their rookie running back, Javante Williams, everything for eight, a carry this year, uh, six rushes of over 20 yards, two touchdowns on the season. Listen, I'm, I'm still just as confused about this lions run defense as I ever was or maybe ever will be because it just seems to be so inconsistent week to week. But we, we mentioned at the top, Ali McNeil and Levi owns are, are, are potentially out in this game because they, they are currently on Thursday dealing with the illness. If they're missing in this game, I think that's, that's maybe a game changer just because of how lethal this Broncos team can be on the ground. Yeah. And you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of reminiscent of what the lions do. Is it not? Because more so than just running, I mean, you're talking about a a tandem of running backs who have 72 targets between the two of them through 12 games. Yeah. So, I mean, you take a look at the lions offense and yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking upwards of close to close to a hundred targets just because Deandre Swift has 70, which is (laughs) insane. And he did not play last week. Right. But I mean, both these guys are very capable receiving backs, you know, 42 targets to Williams, 30 targets to Melvin Gordon. Um, obviously he was, he was out in the last game, right? Melvin Gordon did not play uh, last I week. believe that's true. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, you know, if they do get both those guys back, I know um, I think Melvin Gordon is limited with a hip, there you go. but he, but he didn't, he didn't show up, I think on the injury report today. So um, he, I mean, he, he facing both those guys. And like I said, it, it just comes back to the, like the totality of like everybody that the Broncos have, they have all these weapons. And like you said, Jeremy, the lions are so, uh, they're so dependent upon getting those turnovers to make up for some of the mistakes that they make on offense and make up for some of the mistakes they make in other places. Um, and, and it's tough to imagine that Amani Orario is going to like, you know, spot himself into an interception or, you know, the, the lions are going to be able to get any kind of pressure and maybe get like a, a fumble or a strip sack or, you know, anything kind of fluky out of Teddy Bridgewater. So it's, it's, it's going to be really important that some of these lions defenders step up and make plays and, you, you wonder who it's going to be with 21 guys on the injury report. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the Lions centric storylines here. Can the offense continue its momentum into oh the God. West coast uh, <laughs> and some other players and things we are looking forward to seeing. And of course, the one thing we think we know coming at the end of the podcast. So stick around. We'll be right back on first bite. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on First Bite previewing Lions Broncos with just me and Ryan hanging out, talking about the game. Um, I want to talk about the offense and what happened last week. We saw some serious steps in the right direction. Granted, most of it only happened in one quarter, but the Lions started to, to move the ball downfield. And it's kind of been a, a storyline all week, you know, whether this sort of thing can continue, who's responsible for it, why. Jared Goff had this kind of newfound confidence in pushing the ball downfield, um, bringing in Ben Johnson, the tight ends coach, to, to kind of be a, an impromptu pass game coordinator. I want to talk about all of it. And, and I guess the, the first most basic question to you, Ryan, is can this thing continue? Will, will the Lions continue to push the ball downfield successfully? Do you believe in it? Or was this just like one miracle quarter from, from Jared Goff and, and we're going to see more of the same? Uh, going forward you know so so there's obviously a bunch of context to consider right you think about some of the tight windows that Jared Goff was able to fit some of those footballs into I I think that pendulum swings both ways right you you look at it and you say man he's not going to be able to get away with that in my best like Jesse Pinkman voice as possible but like by the same account he did it more than a few times last Sunday and I think large in part, you you look at whether or not that is going to be something the Lions turn to as the season winds down. Why shouldn't it be like a couple of things, right? Like one, I think without DeAndre Swift, the Lions had to, you know, fundamentally kind of change their approach. They're like, you know, we don't have this guy who can make people miss out of the backfield in the same way. Um, that DeAndre Swift can. So we, we just need to, you know, switch things up. And, and like you mentioned, like Ben Johnson being the impromptu passing game coordinator, like that definitely threw a wrinkle into everything. But I, I think you have to out of principle that the lions only victory was the game where they did this. Right. So, right. Like, I mean, it, it's hard to argue and say, ah, no, the lions should probably like get back to being conservative and, you know, running the ball and digging and dunking and things like that. It's like, no, just like, let's see what NFC player of the week, <laughs> offensive player of the week, Jared Goff can, can do in, in an encore. I, can you just make sure you preface his name with that every single time the rest of the podcast, you, you mentioned uh, his name? Like, I think that from here until Sunday, I will keep doing it. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> maybe, maybe all throughout the game too. I think, well, no, I, I think about you have Jared to do, Goff, we should say that. I think you have to do it until the next NFC offensive player of the week is mentioned. Yes. Yes. Um, so, but I, I hope he wins it for a second week in a row. <laughs> Has that ever happened for a Lions player? Uh, Dude, I, I was shocked when I found out that he was the last one since Calvin Johnson. And then before that, it was Matthew Stafford in 2009. Once. Yeah. Once it was crazy. <laughs> oh my, oh my um, yeah. And then of course, Stafford has won it two or three times already this year. Go figure. Um, either uh, way, like I, I feel like this is something they've been trying to do for a long time, right? Like I, I, I got on Dan Campbell quite a bit after the bye because he came out of the bye saying this, like we need to start pushing the ball down the field. We need to start throwing into tight windows to, to make sure that these, like 
they've been trying to do exactly what what they did last week for a while now. He he specifically said like we can't just wait for these guys to get wide open because that's not necessarily ever going to happen. Get these guys the ball, get these guys an opportunity to make a play and build that confidence. And that's all the narrative has been since it's like, wow, what a game you can build the confidence off of that. It didn't happen early on for, for a multitude of reasons. Maybe, maybe we should have bought the whole, like the weather was affecting their game plan and in, in the couple of road games that they had, the oblique bleak injury was affecting Jared Goff's ability to move the ball down the field. But my question is, and, and yeah, someone in chat, you know, like Josh, adding Josh Reynolds needs to be part of this equation too, right? Like he's a downfield threat that, that you can trust. I guess the, the problem that I'm having is can Jared, like, I know this is the game plan. I know this is what they're trying to do, but is Jared Goff capable, cap- mentally capable of continuing to do this? Because I, I look at the other three quarters in that game and I saw a lot of what we've been seeing where it seemed like the Lions were running a play where they were planning on throwing it more than 10 yards down the field. But Jared Goff looked and looked and looked and eventually it's like, I don't want to. And he either checked down or he got sacked. Yeah. And so that to me is like the biggest hill that they need to get over. And I'm not sure they're over it after just one good quarter of, of four or five throws, 10 field, 10, four or five throws, 10 or more yards down the field. That's, that's the biggest hurdle. And, and maybe this is something that they're building on. Maybe the fact that he, he has a lot of trust in a guy like Josh Reynolds will help has a lot of trust in a guy like TJ Hawkinson that, that, that sort of stuff does help. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to downplay that. Like, I mean, sometimes it, 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 like you could argue his trust in TJ Hawkinson did him wrong in the interception, right? Like he, he trust and, and trusted his arm a little too much. Um, but maybe, maybe I'm on around the same Brown's big game will be like, okay, well maybe I should look at that guy a little more. Maybe when TJ Hawkinson's triple covered, maybe I should notice that I'm on right next to him with nobody within 20 yards of him. Um, I just don't know if it's going to continue because this, it, it wasn't ever a problem in Los Angeles with trust or talent at wide receiver, right? Like he had talented wide receivers in Los Angeles. He had guys that he had played with for two or three years in Los Angeles and the same things were happening. So my concern is whether all this is sustainable, not in terms of game planning, not in terms of wide receivers getting open, but in terms of Jared Goff, just having the mental capability of, of finding someone open enough and, and, and releasing the trigger even if they're not perfectly open, because I, I don't think he's shown that he can do that consistently, consistently, even through four quarters, let alone week to week. Yep. Yep. And you know, that, that was the thing that we talked about in the podcast last week was, um, or earlier this week, I guess, um, whatever, uh, it, it's just like being able to overcome those mistakes that Jared Goff inevitably is going to make because, we know that they have been, they've been present in every single game, whether it's a, whether it's a strip sack fumble or it's a couple of bad sacks on a drive or it's an interception or two. And um, the lions were just able to overcome that. And I, I guess I'm trying to think of where we kind of steer this question or kind of steer this conversation, Jeremy, because while it seems like it's almost critical that Jared Goff plays really well in order for the Lions to win this game. And I don't think it's like rocket science to say, hey, if your quarterback plays well in an NFL game, you stand a really good chance of winning. But it almost seems like because the tweet that I sent out before Jared Goff started wheeling and teeling in the second quarter was it is so 
frustrating to watch this football team play defense way above their their weight class and and punch way above their weight to see the offense go out and just be lifeless. Yeah. And and I guess that's where I kind of want to take the conversation is, is is as the offense as a whole do we think that they can produce more than 20 points a game? going forward like is that something that you think that the Detroit Lions are capable of um you know because they did this without I don't know if objectively speaking might be the right term but like probably their best offensive weapon DeAndre Swift right like is there any coincidence that like these two things happened at the same time is it just happenstance like I don't know I so I guess there's a bunch of questions that are kind of rolled into that that sushi that I just made but I don't know. Take, take it from there, wherever you'd like yeah, to go. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know where I want to take it, but I, I, I think there is kind of a renowned sense of optimism surrounding the Lions offense. And, and I share some of it, at least at the wide receiver position, right? Because yeah, it does seem to. like Amon Ra is, is a solid option going forward. Who's, who's only going to get better and better and better. And even, even a guy like Josh Reynolds, who I don't make like, plays. Listen, he, he can play. I don't know if he's going to want to stick around next year or if he came to Detroit just knowing, like, this is going to be a great springboard for me because I'm going to have opportunities to showcase my talent and then cash in on free agency. He, he was mic'd up for, for you know, the, the big win on Sunday, and he seemed like he was having a pretty damn good time. And, he you know, he's really been all smiles since he's landed in Detroit. So, you know, maybe maybe he does like it here. Maybe he does like the the relationship he has with Jared Goff and that sort of stuff can have him stick around. I, I guess my question is, and I, I, I've seen it already kind of seep into some of the conversation here is, do you think Jared Goff is redeemable in any sort of way? Like, is is it is this book on him not quite written in Detroit yet? Uh, it seems like it's a fair question, especially in, in light of what all of us saw on Sunday. But I think what, I think what, I think what some of us are choosing to ignore about Sunday is that there was a mistake and the the, narrative completely changes. If that last pass isn't a completion, right? Completely changes. It completely changes to, Oh man, see, like if there wasn't that mistake by Jared Goff, like Jared Goff and, and it swings and it goes the other way. And I don't think that we can just throw away the rest of the season in, in light of just this one momentous joyous occasion uh, for Lions fans and, and getting that monkey off their back and and getting that win. So, but I don't know, you never want to say never. And I don't ever want to label a guy as like not being redeemable because I mean, yeah, Jared Goff was what he was in Los Angeles when he, when, when everything was going right, when he had everything that he needed around him, like he was a perfectly serviceable quarterback. And I think that just the stakes are so much higher for him here right now. Like so much more pressure is on him to be absolutely perfect because if he is not, you know, they lose, they lose, they lose. (laughs) And and that's it. And that's point blank. I has, has this one week of Jared Goff, NFC offensive player of the week. Has that changed (laughs) any of your mindset in terms of uh, let's push the conversation a little bit further in the future. Like, does it change how you approach the quarterback position? I mean, it, it, it just, it has to be a matter of consistency. He needs to show that he can do it the rest of the season. I need, I need that second quarter. I need that to happen at least five more times in, in six more games. 
Not it doesn't have to be the entire game, but like if he can show, like yes, like he he's comfortable. Like, and we also have to, you know, it's, it's a new offense for him too. Like that can't be overlooked. New offense, new receivers. If it took him two months to get there, then then okay, like I I can accept that. But at this point, like no, I'm not ready to change my mind about Jared Goff. But if he can if he can show some consistency out there and and show some growth, you know, absolutely, I'm not ready to like completely dump on him like like most people have. But to me, there, there's just way too much overwhelming evidence right now that that's not going to happen. So, so no, I'm not willing to change my mind right now, but I am willing to have it changed in the future. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Um, anything else you want to, I mean, maybe one thing we think we know. If I, there's... Yes. I want to get into that really quick, but I, I want to talk about something else really quick that I think could potentially be interesting in this game. And it's, it's the linebacker position because I think, I think it was one of the, the kind of weirder things that, that came out of last week's game is that um, with, with Jalen Reeves, maybe out, it wasn't Derek Barnes who got the most snaps in his replacement. It was, uh, it was Woods, which yeah. was kind of a, a head scratcher a little bit. And we, we talked to Aaron Glenn about it today and here's the thing. And, and this is something I'm kind of wondering if, if it changes now in general, like, the Lions got their one win. Does the goal of the rest of the season now change? You got that monkey off your back. You don't have to worry about that. You, you know, Dan Campbell doesn't have to worry about being another winless coach on the ranks. Do the Lions now focus on, okay, now let's really focus on the, the young core in this group and and scale back some of the other guys. And the reason why I say this is because Aaron Glenn said something weird that I, I I still don't can't really quite get my head around what he meant, but I'm going to quote him here. He says, um, that's why we have the rotation with those guys. And he's talking about Barnes and, uh, and woods at this point, but then he says, you'll see woods and Barnes in a rotation this week with them two guys playing with Alex out. That's just how we rotate these guys. So, at first I thought he said that and that Alex Anzalone wasn't going to play, like maybe he was injured or maybe he had the flu that I didn't know of now kind of reading it back. It sounds like maybe they'll have some formations where they just have Barnes, you know, playing the mic playing, you know, with the green helmet, green, green dot on his helmet, calling the plays with woods with Alex just out. Like they'll just kind of rotate that way. And if that's the case, that's, I feel like that's a pretty significant development, right? Well, that's, that's kind of like confirming your sneaking suspicion, right? Of right. of why Barnes's play has been limited is because they're kind of setting him up to be the 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 next Alex Anzalone in terms of like playing that position. So, um, yeah, I I think to answer your your larger question is is whether or not it. I I do believe I think it's more important for the Lions to continue to play their their younger players to play their more inexperienced players to play, um, you know, their, their young guys over their veterans. Like, I think that there's, I think that there's value in that because you think about all the lost snaps that like guys like Romeo Okwara and Jeff Okuda, like when, when you think about beyond just them being, you know, players who suffered, you know, terrible injuries, you, you think about, the thing that hurt the most wasn't, oh, like those guys would have made the Lions like so much better this year. Yes, but like those guys are missing out on all of this like incredible they would have made themselves playing better. time. Yes. Like they like their maturation process, their yeah. development, like that all gets stunted because of that. I, I think I think Jeremy, like 
the Lions got this monkey off their back. Like you said, Dan Campbell doesn't have to be a winless head coach. Go out there and, and see what you have. Like, take stock. Like, if, if you want to use these last five games to be like, what do we have? What do we have going into the offseason? It feels like that's what they should do. The yeah. question is will they, whether they will, because, like, you'd like to see Levi get more snaps. You'd like to see Aleem maybe get more snaps. Of course, those guys both have the flu now, so they probably <laughs> – yeah. who knows if they play or not. Um, but, like, Mel, not Mel, yeah, Melifano. Like, mm-hmm. what about him? We, we haven't seen anything of him, really. Um, I'd love to yeah. see him get in there, but obviously they've, they've kind of, you know, planted their flag with Jerry Jacobs so far. I don't know how you get him in there, but hopefully we get to see some of him because we haven't seen any of him. I just yeah, don't know it, if it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It, I think that's something to probably keep an eye on for obviously the rest of the season. Do one of these, I, essentially. Yeah. The Dan yeah. Campbell it, look. If, if I can ask you real quick before yeah. we do uh, the one thing we think we know, like – What's your what's your thing that you are interesting in watching over the course of the next five games, like from a macro level? Well, I think it's just what we talked about. It's it's the pass it? offense. Yeah. It's the pass. I I want to see if this pass offense is is sustainable in any sort of way because if it is, it changes the entire offseason. Like if if golf can build some confidence not only in himself but in the coaching staff, in the locker room, and with his fandom, like that changes everything. Everything. And listen, he's going to have to play some pretty damn good football to do that. But, mm-hmm. but Sunday was something to build upon. And if, if he can build upon that, then, then who knows? Yeah. it's a good answer. All right. You want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. The one thing we think we know about Lions Broncos. I know we didn't talk a ton about matchups in this game, but again, we're kind of transitioning away from that at the end of the season. So Ryan, I'm going to throw it to you. I hope I'm not putting you on the spot here. What is the one mm. thing you think, you know, about Lions Broncos? Oh boy. Um, well, the one thing that I think I know about Lions Broncos, uh, I hate to say it, but I think this might be like a, might be a feel good game for the Broncos. <laughs> like, I think it might be a letdown game for the Lions. There's too many things that are just going against the Lions right now. Like all of this illness aside, the Lions could be perfectly healthy come Saturday. You missed out on a week of preparation. Yep. Like you missed out on all that time. And oh man, you think about the emotional high, you don't, you don't want to label it as a cliche, like come down or the letdown game, but the Broncos still very much have something to play for in the AFC. Like they are six and six, you know, a win against the lions propels them to a winning record, you know, from, from there on out, you know, roll the dice, you know, maybe, maybe the Broncos sneak into the playoffs us in the AFC, but I, I think they have more to play for than the lions. So like the one thing I think I know is that I think the Broncos end up getting the win in this game. Very bold of you to, to pick a, a eight and a half point favorite as, as the winner. Well, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you have to use this segment as an opportunity to get right yourself. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I do think it has a little bit of a chance of like bad blowout opportunity there for, for the Broncos, but I'm, I'm not predicting that. I don't, I don't want, I want to go on record as saying that's what I think is going to happen. I just, mm-hmm. it, it, I think it does have the potential to happen in this game, but I'm going to say the one thing I think I know is that the best Iowa tight end on the field on Sunday will be TJ Hawkinson. Again, very bold, very bold of you, <laughs> but he's dealing with a hand injury. There's, there's a small chance he doesn't play in this game, but I don't know. I think I think Hawkinson's about to get on a roll to, to end the season. And uh started last week. It's gonna continue. I think maybe I maybe 
think he finishes in the top four in receiving yards for tight ends. Okay. All right. Thanks. Built upon that, this Sunday as the Lions take on the Denver Broncos, we will be here live on our Twitch channel after the game, pretty much right after the game because I won't be going to Denver this week. And uh, we'll, we'll break down everything that happens. All that podcast stuff will be available on the podcast feed where you can get anywhere. And as a reminder, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review so that we remain the most rated Detroit Lions podcast out there. But until next time, I'm Jeremy. That's Ryan over there. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>